Major support for Out to Lunch provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support for Out to Lunch from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, Inc. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Once a week I have lunch at Commander's Palace and invite guests from the world of New Orleans business to join me. Have you checked out Magazine Street lately? It seems like just a few years ago, half the stores were boarded up or closing down. With the exception of a few hardy pioneers or retailers in, in love with cheap rent, everything below Jackson Avenue used to be practically a wasteland. Well, those days are gone. The whole of Magazine Street is bustling with commerce now, day and night. The street is attracting a wide range of restaurants and retailers from Whole Foods at the Uptown End to a boutique men's tailor and custom hat shop in the Lower Garden District. And the people behind the counter in these new establishments are equally as diverse and colorful as their businesses. Brian Batt is a highly acclaimed theater actor, film, and TV star. On Broadway, Brian was in Cats, Beauty and the Beast, uh, among many other hit shows. And on TV, he, of course, plays Sal Romano on Mad Men. On Magazine Street, you find Brian chit-chatting and gift-wrapping behind the counter of the store Hazelnut, which he co-owns with his partner Tom. Paul Wilcox was the bass player in the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band and in Joni Mitchell's band. He was a member of the U.S. Ski Team and past chairman of the Institute for Management Studies in Seattle, Washington. On Magazine Street, you'll find Paul chatting about art or fitting folks for glasses in his high-end optical store and art gallery, Art and Eyes, which he owns with his partner, Star. Paul Wilcox, Brian Batt, welcomed out to lunch. Thanks. Thanks. Great, Great to, be. to be here. Oh, we, we've been looking <laughs> forward to this show. This is, this is going to be terrific. Brian, uh, frankly, there aren't many people in New Orleans who don't know all about you. Uh, uh, you're a, That's you're a loaded from, statement right well, there. Well, I mean, uh, this is all good stuff because oh, it's good, right good, in front good, of me good, here. Good. The, uh, you're, you're from My here. My minister you, might be watching. <laughs> you're from here. You went to Newman. You wrote a book on your mom. Mm -hmm. And your dad owned and ran Pontchartrain Beach. Uh, you have obvious ties to the city. But you're a big enough celebrity to have opened hazelnuts successfully in Manhattan or Los Angeles. Other than just loving New Orleans and, and it being home, is there a sound business reason why you and your partner Tom chose to open on Magazine Street? Tom uh, did this kind of a store, ran and bought and, and managed uh, a few stores like this on Madison Avenue. And we always wanted to do it, and we always wanted to do our version, uh, our our presentation of a store of home furnishings and design in New Orleans. It was kind of a little dream we had. It was always going to be here um, and on Magazine Street. That's the only, I really wanted that location. Um, I was doing, I was supposed to be doing this uh, Broadway play that got canceled. Um, and all of a sudden we said, let's do it. That's the window of opportunity. I had the time. And uh, my sister-in-law, Andre Bat, was driving on Magazine Street, saw that this shoe store in the block that we wanted to be in on a Wednesday afternoon was not open. She walked next door and said, what's going on with the shoe store? They said, here's the number of the, you know, the, the uh, owner, and then called and it was closed. We got the store, we came down, we opened. It was just meant to be. We could have done it everywhere else, anywhere else, but I think it, it filled a niche that we saw that New Orleans needed. Um, New Orleans is so fantastic in the art world and with the antiques, but as far as new items to blend with 
the old because we love the idea of in any kind of decor mixing. Um, we didn't see that there was there was a, a great presentation of that, and also we just wanted to we wanted to show what we liked. You know, I think what's great about Magazine Street is that each store is individually owned, and it presents the style and the, the taste of the owners. You know, it's nothing's done by a jury. It's basically you see what you get, you know, at each different at each different store, whether it's clothing or or design or interior or whatever, but it's individual the individual taste of the owner. Now Paul, you grew up in Aspen, Colorado, which explains the US ski team, and you've spent a good deal of your professional life in New York City. Before you moved to New Orleans, you were running Salima Optique, very high-end eyeglass stores that are in Manhattan. And as past executive of the Management Institute, I imagine that when you that you must have commissioned an extensive market research before you opened Art and Eyes on Magazine Street. But I'd also be prepared to believe that you fell in love with the place and just jumped in with your eyes closed. Which was it? Was it the balance between reason and emotion or common sense and passion that brought uh, you and your partner star to Magazine Street? Absolutely no research whatsoever. Really? Despite no. your great background in management? No. Uh, came down here a couple of years ago for Jazz Fest. Uh, Star had been coming here for a number of years. Uh, I f immediately fell in love with the city. I love the fact that it has so much diversity. It has so much uniqueness. It has so much individuality. We're lacking so much of that in many places in America. And... Um, I looked around, I looked at all the optical shops, and I said there's really not a very high-end, European-style, handmade uh, optical shop. And Star and I had wanted to do one with art and with uh, clothing as art, jewelry, handmade stuff, individual stuff. She does that stuff. side, right? She does the art and she does. clothing. Okay. Yeah, she's in the permanent collection of the Smithsonian. Um, wow. She's done the windows of Lord & Taylor. Uh, she's done a number of things. She's extraordinarily talented. Uh, and we have a number of other artists as well. But uh, I came down here and I just saw an opportunity and I've always been one to jump on a new life and a new way of doing things. Uh, I went back to New York. My friends Herbert Halpern and Jackie Bishop called me two days later and said, we have the perfect store for you. It's on Magazine Street. The person is getting out of business after 20 years. I jumped on a plane. I came down. We inked the deal within a day. And uh, here we are, a year and a half later. So in terms of your location, you both had this kind of divine uh, thing going on uh, <laughs> in terms of it just opening. That, wow. Now, uh, you, you guys, you're, you're, when I think of the two stores you have, uh, they're, they're at the higher end. Do we have enough money floating around New Orleans to keep, this, keep it going? Oh, I think so. And I think also with our store as well, we try to have things of all different price ranges. You know, there's things that, you know, are very pricey. Then some you can find a gift for $20, you know, or okay. some things even less. You know, I, I, as long as it's d made well and it has, it has, has style and it has, uh, you know, just... It, it, it can be, like, w when we first opened the store, friends said, you know, the rule of retail is you have a certain percentage of stuff that you, th that you like and then some that you think will sell and then some things you really just don't like that you think people will buy. I'm like, I don't want anything in my <laughs> shop that I don't like. That I, I wouldn't, it's just not me, it's not Tom. That, and, uh, and what about your, your breakdown? Is it, you know what it is in terms of uh, tourists versus locals? Uh, do you yeah, for me... Um, during the off months, it's pretty much locals. Uh, we're developing a regular clientele. But during the season, I'd say about 40% of my business is from all over the world. 
Um, now that's online, is that? No, we do not do any online. I sell one pair of glasses at a time. I fit them one pair at a time. I deliver them one pair at a time. I'm not interested in selling online. This is a very personalized business. Uh, strangely enough, I probably have 50 customers from Washington, D.C. Why people from Washington love my store, I don't know, <laughs> but I have a boatload of them. Uh, also, a lot of Argentinians. People come here mm. from Buenos Aires, and they love our stuff. Those are two of my biggest markets. Wow, and, and it's unfortunate we're on radio because people should see those glasses. Those They're are great. great. Those are great. Those are great looking glasses. They, I'm uh, not even going to put mine on. Next really, week. just <laughs> so ashamed. As I, I know it's, it's <laughs> now when I, th I think of these uh, these two stores you have here, and um, you know. What was, we talk about the momentum on Magazine Street. I mean, do you see it still coming or is it, is it kind of peaked in terms of stores coming? Or, or do, you, um, do you think there's still holes that need to be filled in Magazine Street? Oh, I think it's still coming. I think we're still in the early part of it. Uh, I compare New Orleans at this point in time to when I was first living in New York as an adult in the late 70s and early 80s. When New um, York was a rough place. And when New York yeah. was a rough place, when the crime was up, when all sorts of things uh, were not so good, but there was a tremendous amount of uh, creativity, great artists, wonderful individual things happening. And that's what I see happening in New Orleans now. And so I think this has long legs. I think we have a long way to go. Yeah, it, I think it's constantly changing. That's what I love about it. You know, there, there are stores that will pop up, or, or you know, new just new galleries and, and new uh, new businesses right across from us just opened uh, a blow studio where they all they do they do not cut hair they just blow it out. I saw that sign and I did question what that business yes, was. Yes, well, they actually, also have yeah. something for me <laughs> called Bro Blow, but I will, <laughs> sorry, we'll that's a whole different thing. <laughs> that's a different radio station, people. This is NPR. Um, but no, I, I, that's what I love. Like you said, the diversity of the city is reflected, you know, on Magazine Street. And um, I, I, we, like you said about locals, we have a lot of locals, but our tourist um, business has grown immensely. And we, and we do sell online because it's, you know, it's not personal as much. We do have some personal items, but, you know, it's more tabletop and design and interior stuff. Yeah. But um, I, I, I think it, it can go, I always believe there's room for improvement. So, you know, who knows what it's going to be. And where do you shop for what, what is found in the store? Where? Oh, all over. We, uh, we go to the New York market, the Atlanta market, the Dallas market is really up and coming. It, it slumped for a while, and I think they're really doing great work in Dallas. We've been to the Paris market, which was gorgeous. I mean, it, it put everyone else to shame. So wherever we can find the different v vendors, we, we will seek them out. And, oh, uh, and then also make our own things like the New Orleans Toile fabric, which I designed, which now we have all different products I've, made of I've that. I've seen that, it's beautiful. And stuff. There's more, you know, it's just not enough, not enough time to do all that which my ADD won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> and the segue to that would be Freeman in Paris and the fact that you're, um, you're, a lot of your frames are from France, right? Uh, quite a few of our frames from France. Uh, one of the things I do that's a little di bit different than other shops is um, it occurred to me that these small handmade makers, they've been in business 50, 60, 70 years, that probably they had vaults somewhere with, really, with brand new, really cool stuff. And in a lot of these cases, the granddaughters are running the business. Uh, I've become friends with them, and I've worn my way into the vaults. <laughs> and so I go down there, and I get uh, one-of-a-kind pieces. Um, you know, we have a pair of glasses that were made for Jackie Onassis. She never picked up. <laughs> um, so we have a, and I do a lot of that. I do a lot of one-of-a-kind pieces, and my feeling is human beings are not mass-produced. Their glasses should not be either. So, 
So somewhere in France, people are going, what is that sound? Oh, it is Paul in the vault again. <laughs> it's, uh, they, it's, uh, let me, this is the part of the show we call the checklist. Try to uh, find out a little bit more about you. We're going to ask you a couple of questions that probably wouldn't show up on a, on a loan application. Uh, I'll start with, <laughs> start with you, Brown. What book are you reading? Oh, um, I'm really not. I'm writing one. So wow, that's <laughs> even better. That's, I'm writing another now, book. Now, what are you See, you've written the book about your mom. You she wrote the heavy, interior. She's my mother. Yeah, um, Big Easy Style. And I'm starting to write a book about Pontchartrain Beach and the memories of Pontchartrain oh, Beach. Oh, people are going to love that. And um, I'm waiting. I shouldn't even be saying this because the deal's not done. <laughs> <laughs> but I've already started. So I'm going to hopefully get it published because I think when I saw that float in Endymion come down the street, actually, I wasn't here, but I saw it before. And my cousin texted me and he said, you should hear the people cheering. And he goes, I know it's not just the float, it's their memories. And he said, it, it brought a tear to my eye to know that my uncle was, was Pontchartrain Beach. And it just, I went, that's it. Because my mom passed a few years ago, a couple of years ago, and we unearthed this wealth of photographs that no one's ever seen of the beach. Elvis Presley playing there, you know, all these other, you know, historic things. And it, and it, it just, it, it, it brought a smile to my face. So I think I'm just going to do it. For and uh, you've book. got to conclude Bally High. And oh, that, course. And that wagon that used to go around and The sandpan. Yes. They, <laughs> they used to bring our dinner to our house. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've never got this answer where I'm, I'm not reading, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm writing. writing. And uh, what, what about yourself? What are you reading, Paul? Uh, I'm currently reading The Pig Eater, which is a book about uh, pre-World War I Vienna at the time of Freud. And it's a murder mystery, and it has the most marvelous descriptions of what Vienna was like at that time before the First World War. It's a really good read for people who like murder mysteries, whodunit, but also historical novels to get a sense of uh, what a place was like at a given time. Well, that's, that's yeah. terrific. This is the uh, time we check our inbox. Uh, our producer picks a question that's come in over the week from a, from a listener for, for you two guys. Uh, Grant, what have you got? Peter, we have a question today from Stephen Mouton, who lives in Los Angeles and listens to the show as a podcast. He says, I see warning signs that Magazine Street might go the way of Melrose Avenue in L.A., Mom-and-pop stores for locals get super popular. Tourists start showing up spending money. Property values go up. Rents go up, so prices have to go up. Locals stop going. The hip retailers leave. Now it's a characterless shadow of itself, shabby, rundown, and unattractive. How would you stop that happening? Hmm. Hmm. Well, my answer to that is I believe that New Orleans has a certain character built in that Los Angeles doesn't. Uh, one of the reasons I moved here is because they refused to let Donald Trump build a hotel. Yes. I thought that true. was a terrific thing. It was going to be a very tall building with a comb over at the top. I remember yes. saying that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so uh, I think that the city has enough character that I think individuals will rise and they will protect it. We have something really unique and fabulous here. We have a lot of people in the city who are really willing to defend it. And so, I, and we have a really nice corrupt political system that has a really good way of shutting down the wrong people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. And also, I think um, as as great as there is a lot of change happening, New Orleanians are, are not so easy to change. Um, I think they want their magazine street to remain their magazine street, and they will do anything to to uh, retain it. Um, I think uh, if these other big stores were to come in, they would have to be tearing down a lot of these older buildings. And the, pres and the, the preservationists here are, are very strong and powerful, and that will not happen. I, you know, I will be one of the people blocking the, ba the you, you'll battering You'll be laying ball. in front of the bulldozer? Yeah. You know, unless a property is unsalvageable or you know, something like that, there's no hope for it. 
okay. But these structures have been around forever. The, the building that we're in, I think at one point, or the next door was, was a pet store where people used to grow up. You know, they, they, they brought their pets there. Um, all these stores up and down the street, you know, we have a history. And um, I think that's, that's what's great about New Orleans is we have a history and we embrace our history. A lot of cities don't have a history. They don't have a historical architecture. They just tear down. I mean, as much as I enjoyed being in Los Angeles, drive around that city, it is a strip mall. It is. It is one strip mall after another. That, that's not New Orleans, and that, that will never be Magazine Street. Well, that is good. We have staunch, <laughs> staunch blockers here. This is going to work out great. This is the, uh, the lunch money segment of the show. We take a look at our lunch money uh, portfolio. Uh, every week we have the guest uh, recommend one stock, we put it into our portfolio, put it onto our website. Uh, as we're speaking here today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average hit a, an all-time high this morning, so Yahoo. kind of uh, we're, we're getting there. The S&P's a little bit off. Uh, the NASDAQ still has a ways to go, but I, you know, my, I have a special index uh, after teaching finance for 26 years is the, my crawfish boil index, and that is when I go to crawfish boils, people still are not asking me about stocks, so we probably haven't peaked. There's a, there's a, what if, uh, we'll start with, uh, start with Paul. What stock do you want to put in the lot here? Well, the, the stock that I would put in, and it's really not my suggestion, but a good friend of mine is president of the Hedge Fund Managers Association well, on Wall Street. That is not your average friend. This so I uh, put the question to him. I figured that was his area of expertise. He gave me two recommendations. Uh, Zenia, which he says has their problems behind them. And uh, although it's risky, there is a really big play to be made in it. He also feels that Apple is undervalued, that uh, to buy at 400, he sees it going uh, in the neighborhood of 1,000 in the next couple of years. Now, wow, we got Apple a little over 400, got to, was it 700 for, for a while there, and uh, uh, AAPL and then ZNGA, Zynga, uh, down to $3.50 a share, so you could buy quite a few of them, Paul, if you wanted to. Uh, that would, uh, and the people that aren't, don't recognize it, Zenga's the people that put, you know, Cityville, Mafia Wars, Farmville, all those Zenga great. the designer, I'm so Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am so out of. See, a lot of people own the stock by accident. It's incredible. They, uh, <laughs> oh, wow, that is, that is great. And Brent, what, uh, what are you going to give us? Well, I'll, I'll also admit that this, this is not my field of expertise. I mean, it was, thank God, you know, when my father passed, he had his portfolio taken care of for my mother through Waters Parkinson here in the city, sure. David Pointer, and now uh, his, his associate, uh, Devin Weckland. Um, that's where I put everything, and I just say here. You know, <laughs> I might be trusting blindly, but they so were far, so, so wonderful to my mother, and, and she was hand, uh, her estate was handled beautifully. Um, and uh, so I'm very trusting, and so I call them. <laughs> and Devin told me, IBM. IBM. Which also, in, since yesterday, has... Done, done very done well. Very Itty bitty well. machine, we used to call that. Yes. There's, uh, in fact, uh, it must be interesting for the listeners, a lot of people still think IBM is a, oh, a company that you know, manufactured mainframes and personal computers. They just really do IT consulting yes. now. Yeah, yes. they're, and the over $200 a share. Of that. Right, and, they think, and it's, it's a consistent, nice return. Uh, so. And I love uh, those ads that those people go, I want to be an IBMer. You know, we, we all three of us here are, are in love with Magazine Street, but there's life after Magazine Street. Brian, you, you actually have a new venture, right? Yes, we just opened a store um, this fall, right? Actually, on Black Friday in Mandeville on Highway 190, right next to Joseph Banks, and it's doing wonderfully. And, it's, and everyone's asking, well, how do you like, why, don't you hate that commute? And it's really not bad, because it's, it's the reverse commute when I have to go over there. It's, you know, 
given the day, sometimes the sunsets coming home are breathtaking, and I just get to listen to NPR oh. for a good solid hour, come going back and forth. It's, it's really wonderful. So yeah, there is, but you know, we're trying to do what we do there. Is here, it a different there. market? A, a little bit, but some people came and said, "Don't change a thing." Do what you're doing on Magazine Street over here. Please, we need it. And so I think, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And Paul, you had a number of stores in, in Manhattan. Do you plan to expand through that? Uh, same um, kind of model? I would not expand to Manhattan. No, I mean. <laughs> certainly. Uh, you know, there, some people have approached me, uh, particularly in Austin and Nashville, are two markets that would make sense for us. But I was just invited to the Palm Springs Museum of Art uh, where they had an opening of their new facility. And, um, and uh, myself and several other vendors uh, participated, and we had a uh, tremendous amount of luck. Uh, Mid-century frames go very well with the mid-century architecture in Palm Springs. And so our thought at this point is to open a pop-up store for four months a year in Palm Springs when everybody's in town and in the and season. Was that the winter? Yes, in the winter from uh, December through March. Wow, that is a, such a strange town. I remember I went to a gas station for directions there, and they said, you take a right on Doris Day, you take a left on Jerry Ford. It's like, it's really just, <laughs> yeah. I thought the guy was just yanking me around. Well, but those were the names of the taking a left on Jerry Ford. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I can't touch Doris Day. <laughs> Brian Batten, <laughs> Paul Wilcox. We could probably do a whole series of shows on the extraordinary and fascinating people working on Magazine Street. We've certainly made a stellar start with the two of you. Uh, this has been a real treat. I've really enjoyed meeting both of you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Peter. Guys great have to been be great. Here. The, Can uh, I eat the shrimp now? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, go that's ahead. right. There's, go ahead. There's, <laughs> <laughs> my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Brian Batt, co-owner of interior design store Hazelnut on Magazine Street Uptown, and Paul Wilcox, co-owner of gallery and optical store Art and Eyes on Magazine Street in the Garden District. To find out more about Brian's gifts and home accessories and Paul's art and eyeglasses, follow the links on our sites, www.org and it's neworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, and live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our web designer and digital guru is Dr. Cliff Brigden. Uh, the beautiful Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can keep up with our continuing adventures in Crescent City Commerce by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook, and you can get in touch with us or sign up for our mailing list at itsneworleans.com, and you can follow us on Twitter. We're at It's New Orleans. To listen to past shows or get this show as a podcast, go to www.no.org or itsneworleans.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week on Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937. Now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support for Out to Lunch from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, Inc.